guys welcome back to a different life story my show on youtube and as a podcast with me your host stefan neff another fantastic day for an interview and this interview today has been a long time coming because my guest and i have been communicating for a while but as with so many lives uh 2020 had surprises left right and center for both her and me and it's only now finally at, at, at the start of 2021 in february that we can finally recall so it is beautiful and it was worthwhile waiting because annette wittenberger my my guest today is a mental health warrior who has gone through a lot of shit in her life and she is now making sense of it and passing on the lessons that she has learned uh, to others who are going maybe through similar or even the same the same trauma. And as such, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure today to have Annette with me. Good morning to you. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it is so great to have you here. Uh, it is a a wonderful thing nowadays that we can communicate here because I'm sitting in in beautiful New Zealand looking outside the day will be gorgeous and it's going to be a scorcher whilst you were probably uh, yearning for such a day because you had three days of snowfall and we're snowing and we're shoveling snow yesterday so here you go but it's so fantastic nowadays we can we can actually just link up over zoom have a really good talk and actually bring those people together like you and me who, who have gone for shit and kept going and are now better people for for it afterwards and to 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 discuss and and share our insights with others because in the past when I went through dark times there was not really something like that there was no way that I could look something up on the internet etc so Let's make the most out of this beautiful 2021 now. And let's explore what happened to you, Annette, and the lessons that you have learned and the lessons that you now are sharing with your tribe. So welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Annette, uh, when you were a little girl, you typically don't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a mental health warrior. That's what I want to do in my life. Hey? Now, what did you want to do when you were a little girl? I actually wanted to be a singer. Oh! <laughs> and so I, I took the singing classes. I took piano classes. I did all that stuff. I sang in high school. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my dream. And it did not turn out that way at all. <laughs> no shit Sherlock <laughs> which of our youth dreams ever ever turn out like that and it's it's just a shame but we come back to that um okay so what what happened why did it not turn out like that so I when I was when I was nine I was I was um molested by my best friend at the time her dad and that kind of changed the course of my life. I it, it was it was really hard to to talk about that. I ended up, you know, testifying. I went to court at 10 years old to testify against this man who did something that was just like uh 
unheard of and you know things like that just weren't talked about in the 80s so you know my mom did the best she could with getting me the help that I that I needed but you know mm -hmm. that didn't last very long because I think I was just I just didn't want to talk about it anymore I just kind of wanted to just go on with life so mm -hmm. you know that so that changed the course of my life I ended up dating guys that were verbally abusive and I try to make them happy and I didn't you know I didn't realize any of this until really the past five to ten years it was just one of those things that I went through and I just didn't I don't know I thought that was just the norm for me and you know I, I so I, I dated the wrong guys I uh, went to college and tried dating but I was just done I just like I was done with just trying to please people I wanted to get through school I wanted to graduate I needed to prove to myself that I could move away from home and do that and I joined the military and you know some things happened there and again it was like is this like what life is supposed to be about and I tried my best to just I kind of just suppressed it you know I was good at that I was really good at suppressing my feelings and then I turned into some ugly person that would just my way of dealing with it was just through anger you know anger and nobody understood and this is my life and I could do what I want so I did that I did that until just four years ago so mind you, I didn't really open up until I was in my 40s. <laughs> and and it, it really just had to do with me losing my identity after I joined the military. I joined the military to prove something to myself. I just, you know, every year was just another year passed that I just kept doing, go through the motions. I loved every minute of it, but I was really good at hiding my true self so it really didn't you know when I when I retired it wasn't on my own doing it was because I didn't make the promotion list and that's when I think it started hitting me hitting me with where did I go wrong in my life how come I wasn't good enough who am I now without the uniform what was I gonna do after I spent over 17 years trying to be somebody you know, that was worth something. That's all the stuff that's going in through my head. And, you know, it really didn't open up my eyes until I was in a car accident. I was in a car accident two years ago with my daughter, taking her to college. We were hit head on. We rolled over five times. I had six surgeries. I was in the hospital for five weeks. She missed her first semester of college. All these things happened. And as I'm sitting in the hospital bed and people are telling me, oh, my gosh, you know, um, like, we don't know how you survived it and God must have a plan for you. That's when I started rethinking my life. I was angry. Like, well, if God had a plan for me, then why did this happen? You know, why am I sitting here having multiple surgeries? Why this? Why me? You know, just all this pity party. And then... When I came home, I started to really dig deep into my whole life. And 
I started to realize that God has been trying to talk to me for so long. He has gotten me out of so much shit that could have ruined my career or, um, you know, just ruined my life. But instead, he was giving me all these lessons learned. And this was the wake up call. This was when he was like, wake up. You have something bigger for you waiting on the other side. And it was the accident that made me realize that. It's not something I recommend for everybody to wake and to wake up to, but that was my wake up call. And it was, I was 43, you know, and, and I just had to, I really had to dig deep onto how was I going to spend the rest of my life? So a lot of things came up. Uh, um, that's when I started writing my book because I really wanted to, get through this self-healing journey I needed to do something or I was going to go crazy and my kids were seeing this and they've experienced mm. my rage that my uh wrote my road rage because I have road rage too <clears throat> all these things so I was reminded and I was asked what are you going to do with it are you going to suffer from all of this or are you just going to accept it and, and live with it what are you going to do with it and that's when I said, okay, it's time. It's time to not be ashamed anymore. It's time to really speak truth. And it's time to just be me, like finally be me. And that's when I really chose to share. I mean, I don't tell everybody to share it with the world, build a website, do a blog, just start spilling your guts. That's not for everybody. That was for me, and that's what I needed to do because I knew that I wasn't alone after spending decades feeling like I was. Wow. And it is a journey, is it not? I mean, it is. Oh, yeah. uh, four years ago, that would have been completely unimaginable for you. And the same here, the same here. It's it's you only start healing after after some something occurred there needs to be that catalyst there needs to be those kind of things uh, like you uh, had a, a very similar story in in overall one trauma after the other trauma after the other trauma i like you i'm a child where emotions were not discussed certainly not in my house there were no role models that i could look up to who said wow let's do some mindfulness or let's let's talk about how that made you feel and those kind of things that was unheard of uh, and no surprise that I escaped uh, to into I, my choice was alcohol basically to to numb the pain did you what did you do to numb the pain I was told that my, my daughter told me that she that I drank a lot and I don't remember that <laughs> Uh, I thought for me, occasional wine, a uh, couple glasses was it, but she remembers differently. And that's sad to me because I don't remember that. And I functioned. I went to work and I, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. in my cup. It was like, I didn't know. I, I didn't realize what I was doing. So mm. that was one way. And I think just acting out. And I wasn't even a teenager acting out. I was a grown adult. <laughs> it's embarrassing 
what other people saw and I was like I denied it like no I didn't <laughs> care to share <laughs> or is that is that going too deep now <laughs> I would just go out with friends I would just go out and be dumb you know as a mom as an mm. adult I would go out and people and I just I thought it wasn't a big deal and I was told you shouldn't hang out with those people. You should probably, you know, pick the pick a different crowd. And I was like, you can't tell me what to do. I was, I was a disaster. I was, I was. That's a bit. That's terrible. That's just terrible. And I never really, I never said this before, but I did. I acted out like a teenager in my thirties. So, because I didn't want to admit anything i didn't want anyone to have control over me i mm. was in control of myself mm. nobody could tell me what to do and that was not good and it's a logical thing isn't it in the subconscious you when you have gone through trauma where you're powerless where you're helpless uh, you suddenly yearn for that control now the fucked up thing is how we try to think that we are in control. You can't tell me what to do. He has hurt me and therefore I'm now drinking two liters of vodka. Ha <laughs> ha, I show you how I am in control. And you think, what the fuck? What? What are you doing? But you can't see it. You can't see it. Your mind is living this, this twisted, weird, weird life that you've got a belief system that is so skewed oh boy so now i know exactly what you're saying and that acting out and i i luckily i didn't act out as much although i did as a younger man i had many cool stories that were luckily happening at a time when there were no cameras on cell phones okay so there's very little evidence of those times now you got got the timing wrong in your time machine you went with 10 years too too far because bottom line is i'm sure there are some good pictures of you uh somewhere out there <laughs> exactly exactly yes and you think cringe ouch um so now stories yes witnesses few um i'm lucky but it could have been very different and it could have been could have been very different. Maybe given it another year or two, maybe there would have been a, a DUI, and maybe there would have been um, other consequences of my drinking. So I'm I'm very lucky. But it again that was seven years or thereabouts ago now, and I've been growing so much since then. And I guess. No one wishes anyone a serious trauma, as in rolling your car five times. I mean, you're clearly an overachiever, aren't you? Five times, really, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you do it right. I give you that, girl. Okay, but <laughs> um, so no, um, but that rattles your your molecules. That rattles your cage, and suddenly you're standing there and think, damn. Where do I go? Where is where is my life really going? Did you prior to that to that last rattle? Um, did you did you seek actually counseling at some stage in your life? Did you recognize at some stage in your life that maybe 
you are powerless over over your behavior, over your emotions? Is it time to 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 explore that pain, or was that actually too painful for you? Years prior, I did, and I did it in secret because I didn't want my command to know that mm. I was going to talk to somebody. So, still, was a hard, a, a very difficult thing to do because I wanted to address it, but I didn't want anyone to know I was addressing it. So I backed off a little bit. I didn't do it as long as I should have. It was kind of just a, how long can I get away with it thing? And then we moved and then I thought I was okay. I got it under control and it was just a constant battle because I did that several times where I tried to find the right therapist, but then if she wasn't what I wanted or he wasn't what I wanted, I would stop and be like, I'm, I, I'll do this on my own. So I didn't really give it a chance because I thought I could take care of it myself. I was a soldier. I was a leader. I could do this. No. <laughs> what was your subspecialty? What, what was your, 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 what did you do in the army? Oh, so I was a chemical officer, and so weapons of mass destruction, stuff mm. like that. Cool. Did you get deployed? I did. I deployed twice, once to Iraq and once to mm. Afghanistan. Interesting. Interesting. Was that early on? When when were your, when were your times? I deployed to Iraq in 2005, 2006, mm. and then Afghanistan in 07 to 08. And these were rough times. Um, in it was certainly not a peaceful deployment uh, when you were there. Um, but were you, being such a specialist role, were you kept back more? You were certainly not constantly in the front lines and not not constantly under attack. Right. No, I was not. Uh, the first time I went to Iraq, I was a commander, so I had. As soldiers underneath me, and our mission was different. So it was mm. more of a, it was a safer mission, so to speak. Mm. So we were okay. Um, but still, if that's the first deployment for you, or if you have family situations back, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard for us to change our mindset. Mm. And um, so that, that was a hard one because my kids were three and five. Mm. And both my husband and I deployed six months apart. So at mm. some point, both parents gone. So that was that was a hard one. Um, the deployment to Afghanistan, the mission was, you know, a different unit. It was completely different. And that was a more difficult one uh, I, because I was behind the scenes and I was able to kind of know what, you know, what our soldiers were doing. And when we lost them, it was that was really hard. That was a hard one because, of course, no one's prepared for it. But I didn't know how to deal with my feelings anyway. So to be in the background and hearing about all the soldiers that we were that were we were losing it was like i got angry mm. like why is this happening why are we here all these why 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 mm. so that was um that was difficult too and who do i talk to you know we're all there together i can't go complain to somebody else because they're having a difficult time too so as mm. we were each trying to process our own feelings in a different way so that was that was hard were there discussions behind the scenes about are we doing the right thing or was that a taboo that you don't talk about 
Well, we didn't really talk about that because we knew why we were there. We knew we had to complete a mission. Um, mm -hmm. I could not fathom being our higher commander having to make certain decisions. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even fathom being him at that time. So, uh, you know, our, our release was just going to the gym we had a gym on the mm. base that we were on and that's so that was our release go mm. for run go to the gym and we don't talk <laughs> so mm. it was it was different <laughs> but i you know i can't imagine um so mm. it was it was hard oh please no two ways around it and there is this this you have to be a certain personality to go out there and to be shot at and to make the right decisions and to go uh, to to not become completely frozen in fear and being petrified but actually action will save your life so there you are you're trained towards that how do you deal with it uh, don't stop being passive and talk about it but being active go to the gym do something and it's it's a good mixture of distraction and working yourself tired so that you don't care anymore too much about what you have just seen and experienced but it doesn't really help in the long run because i have never learned how to deal with the negative emotions i became angry as hell about the injustices that were there yeah. about the bullying i had received about the trauma i had been through so it's not that it's somewhere all in your head and ah, you're just not strong enough. Come on, pull your socks up kind of a thing. Take a concrete pill and get on with it. Um, yeah, that works maybe for a little while. And fair call, fair call. If you have just lost a friend on the battlefield, you can't stop contemplating and cry. That doesn't work. You have to get on with the mission. So I understand that. Yeah. And that's that's a culture that we all need to to understand when when the shit hits the fan you have to to be there but at some stage you need to talk yeah and and it's interesting because we are now talking what the early 2000s that you have had even even as as as, as short back as 2007 you were saying um there is a there's a beautiful um book written by the chief medical officer of the UK in the Falklands. And it is basically the history of the Falkland War seen from the medical officer there who received all the, the wounded, etc. And to, uh, the Falkland War was only about six weeks thereabouts. Uh, thereafter, all these soldiers had to somehow get back. Now, it was a very brutal war for the English, so there were many casualties, many wounded, etc., many lives lost and much trauma. Now, some of the soldiers were repatriated by aeroplane, so literally 24, 48 hours, they were back home. Others were taking the sea route, and they were basically sitting together on these ships for days and days and days, weeks, until they were back home in the UK. And afterwards, there was an astounding, astounding difference in the amount of PTSD and suffering and etc. that the, the soldiers had uh, had suffered and, and showed the signs and symptoms of. Because those guys who had not time to decompress, had not time to cry, to be angry, 
to talk amongst themselves in a safe group to 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 learn the lessons and digest the lessons of whatever has occurred what what they have seen um it, that was the biggest the biggest difference between these two groups that were kind of selected by by nature and that lesson was well known from the Falkland Wars. So it's, it's astounding that, that the army still seems not to have seen, or if they have seen that lesson or learned that lesson, that they have not implemented it uh, for people like you. Do you think it would have been different if you had been shot at? If you would have been bleeding on the battlefield, do you think you would have had a different aftercare? I don't even know. I, I... I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I just think the whole the whole experience was difficult because I don't think we knew that we had an outlet or it wasn't discussed. You know, um, I, I know that they're getting better at it now or they have been trying to for the past few years, but you just you had to be tough. You had to continue. You had to drive on. You couldn't. Mm. What are you going to do? You know, you uh, have in that mindset. Please. And I understand that. But it's that, that it's all quite cool if you define yourself of being in top physical shape. Your, your toughness is all that you've got. And you're really good at it. You're the tip of the spear. You are it. And then the metal meets the meat. And in your case, the metal meets the metal, the car versus car. Um, but, you know, I had another guest on my show and he suddenly was on the receiving end of a machine gun. Uh, funnily enough, he, all his focus on his body and on, on this, on this active warrior suddenly got completely shredded to pieces. And then there was nothing left. There was nothing there. Once you take that, that identity away, there is a big empty void. And I think that happens to so many people. That is this emptiness is, is painful. It is, it is, you just think, who the hell are you? Right. And certainly, I mean, for, for the first half a year, year after my rehab, I had no answer. Who are you? I was empty. I was, I, I stopped drinking. I stopped being this angry man. And if I had great difficulties redefining myself in the beginning. And to a certain degree with hindsight, it's actually nice because it was an empty canvas where I could start it to, to create a new painting that that who I am today, and I'm so proud of the new guy. Uh, yes, okay, uh, the Tommy needs to, to have a bit of work, and it's an ongoing story, it's an ongoing path, and I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I am a sinner and a saint, all combined in one, and I have got the scars physically and emotionally to prove it, and that's me. Nowadays, I finally have come to love myself and accept myself for who I am. Uh, broken, mended, in some parts better than ever in other parts. Yeah, not so much. Uh, and, and 
but that is me nowadays and i've come i've made peace with myself yeah. and i think i i wish that to so many people out there that that they can do that too i guess that's why i'm sitting here at, at uh you know just at, at sunrise to to talk to beautiful guests like annette to show you guys out there hey annette and i got our shit together uh, it took us four decades but you know hey who's counting um <laughs> that's right <laughs> so the, the past does not equal the future yeah. and that's the biggest lesson please that you can get from both of us yes. uh, so here you were in in the hospital broken bones left and right and just another young intern who looks about uh, half the age of your daughter um, is now telling you yes we're going to operate tomorrow on you and you think oh my god no not again and how did that go and where did then finally the realization came from uh, where did it come from that you that it is time to change that it's time to speak out how did that work? Well, I spent five five weeks in the hospital in Texas, and my family was in Virginia. So it was a lot of time of reflection. <laughs> um, I, I spent many days crying to my physical therapist because I was so pissed. I was like, why is this happening? You know, just the other day, I was able to walk on my own. Now I need someone to help me to the bathroom. And so all these, I was humbled very much, very quickly. And I had to learn. I mean, I had to ask for help. I, it was no way around it. When I came home and I was going through physical therapy still, and I was transitioning from wheelchair to walker to cane, I was still so angry, but my husband had to remind me, but you're alive. You have no internal brain injury. You have no... I mean, the, the worst I have is I have a hip, a new hip. <laughs> I got a hip replacement at 43. Um, I have plates and screws in my, you know, my arms and in my ankle and leg. But it's been two years and I could go to CrossFit. I'm able to lift weights. I'm able to, I can't run really well, but I could do these things because I had to change my I had to change my mindset into thinking he's right I'm alive I'm not paralyzed there's I could have lost an eye I could have lost I could have lost limbs but I didn't and so now I have to really get my shit together and stop boohooing I had to stop feeling sorry for myself and that was really hard <laughs> because I wanted to live in this pity party of why did this happen yeah <sighs> But then I surrounded myself around other people that kept reminding me, trying to instill in me this faith and to think that it happened for me. You know, he he did. He gave me this sign that I needed. It wasn't the, the best sign that I wanted, but it was a sign that I lived <laughs> through. And now I have obviously I was kept on this path for a reason. Because I could have went to a nine to five job. No, I really couldn't have. There's no way I could do that. But not anymore. There is a reason for why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And he helped me get there. So, you know, and I have kids that are teenagers or adults now that I have to be a role model for. I can't mm. let them think 
that it's okay to just be paralyzed and to give up. I need them to know that it's okay to go through crap, but that you're going to survive it. So how are you going to get through those steps? And I never thought about that before because you think our kids are young. They don't really see. You just tell them mommy's tired. Mommy's having a bad day. But there's only so many times you can say that, right? Because they're going to figure it out. They're not as dumb as we think or they're not as naive as we think. They see things. And now that they're able to voice those things, it's like, oof, that hurt. Hey. <laughs> Isn't it? Ooh. Is it a, yeah. And it's still, yeah. And sometimes they, the, the kids are, well, they are the biggest blessing, no doubt about it. But they can be roses with nasty fawns when they speak out the truth. And, and oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts, but it was a wake-up call because if I continue down this path, mm. then they would have seen that that's how life is. Mm. You know, this is how we're supposed to act because that's how mom did it. Mm. I don't want them to do that. This world is a lot uglier than when we were growing up, so mm. I need to make sure that they can survive in it. <laughs> and to ask for help or to just, you know, talk about mm. your feelings or all the things that we just didn't learn how to do. I need them to know that it's okay to do that. So I had to change. I had to snap out of it. And it's still hard. I still get humbled. It's still hard for me to admit things. So it's just a process. And I, I just, I think it's important to keep reiterating that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have those days. Mm -hmm. Just really dig into how are you going to turn this negative into something positive and that's really hard to do but that is the key lesson that is the key thing that we can do to our kids the lesson you can show them because it is normal to have a shit day you not every day is all roses and beautiful and and back rubs and every all lovely doubly to each other no they're nasty pieces of work out there they're they're psychopaths sociopaths chances of meeting them is one in hundred okay one in hundred people is is a psychopath or sociopath and one in ten are people with personality disorders the jerks the idiots the really weird people out there one in ten okay so chances are your day will not go smooth because these people are out there. Now, even if these people were not out there, there are days when you get up on the wrong side of the bed and you like it or you lump it, you're going to be a shitty kind of person to be around. Again, that's normal. Okay. Stop looking at other uh, social media profiles and see all the smiles and think, why am I not like that? But they are not like that either. They are idiots who only post uh, the kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, bullshit. Bullshit. I call BS because life is not like that. And it's okay from now and then to have a pity party. It's okay from now and then to just actually give in because what you call pity party might actually be your body just saying, Hey, you've burned a candle on both ends again. Um, can you actually just stop for a moment, listen to me, because I need to rest. And why don't you from now on then give yourself permission to rest? Right. Then other days, give yourself permission to kick your own ass and actually say, no, you know what? Today is not a rest day. 
today we're actually getting up. We are actually going out there and we are going to somewhere where there's some warm water and we just soak in that water and do nothing. Um, and that's cool. How about that? So there's there's already two choices. When you've got a really shitty day, um, there's give in or, you know, tell what I, right now, I look after myself, I treat myself. And if it has to be a bit of a cheesecake, okay. Uh. <laughs> Annette Wittenberger, here, here you are, you have such a German name. There must be the German descendancy in there. So is it sauerkraut, cheesecake, and... Um, and a nice bratwurst for breakfast or <laughs> <laughs> i love food <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us <laughs> that was in, in fact when i came out of rehab i thought what do i do i do who am i i thought hey i love cheesecake and i always had this saying throughout my life there is not enough cheesecake in this world indicating you know this is, is you take time out even at an early stage i knew that i just i just didn't ever implement it. So I started baking cheesecakes and learned how to do them and wrote a book about it. So that's that's how I ticked. So I've got, uh, there was there were times when there was so much cheesecake in my house, it was no longer funny. <laughs> oh dear. But here we are, that's, that's just one example of how I reinvented myself. Um, guys, you can go out there if you want to just see a really bad example of a cookbook, um, because it's not, it's, I'm German, and I'm a doctor, and here I'm writing about cheesecakes, so you've got the encyclopedia of cheesecakes, it's a, uh, it's a more a scientific kind of freaking thing in the first half, and then, oh yeah, I better put some, you know, some recipes in there, <laughs> and it's just, oh god, it's still out there for sale, and one day I will probably redo it, uh, but it is, Yes, it's it's it just shows what a strange journey I have been on, and a strange guy who I've been, and and now I'm, you know, in the past it would have made me cringe. My God, I wrote a book and it's really shit, and no one buys it. Oh my God, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Come on, whip me. Uh, <laughs> and nowadays I laugh about myself and and say. Yeah, no surprise that no one buys that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is what it is. This is life. Life is too short. And 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 whilst it sounds like corny mantras, fuck when you're when you're laying in a hospital bed and you're getting yourself, uh, you get yourself through through the path of having to learn to walk again. That is very very humbling. Uh, was your daughter? How did she? get out of the car was she smashed up she she broke her leg so she has a um wrought iron is it wrought iron yeah. in her in her leg so she she still has you know issues when it's cold or it you know gets numb but she made it so that's all that matters mm -hmm. her leg and she she went to college she'll graduate next year so it's it's all mm -hmm. good has it has it changed her story <laughs> Oh, there are times where she gets upset on why it happened because it's it's changed her physical limitations on things she can do. Mm. Um, and it paralyzes her to the point where she's like, I it hurts, I can't do it. So she's mm. still working through things, mm. you know, but I, I think it's, it's just normal. It's normal. It's going to take time. And... 
it's interesting because there is this trauma for her suddenly that changes her life. But the really cool thing is that she has got a mum who went through hell and back and is now such a different person. And even if she might not want to talk to you, you probably have got a secret listener to your to your podcast and to your <laughs> to your story out there, um, because suddenly you have revealed yourself, and they see a very different mum. They see a very different person there, and that is our legacy. That is our our thing. So for me, as an as an addict, as an alcoholic. I know that I've passed on some of the genes that make you more susceptible and more likely to become an alcoholic yourself. So my boys are in theory sitting ducks, yet they have seen my transformation. They have seen what happened to me and how I nowadays make my life rather different and the, the skills, the mindfulness, the 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 protection that I put around myself to make sure that I do not burn out too quickly. <laughs> Still my biggest, my biggest vice, action, 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 and, and, and then some. Uh, but no, it's, it's the, all the lessons that I've learned, I have been very vocal about. And whilst they are at a higher risk, I doubt very much that they will be alcoholics. So, and that is a very, very, very beautiful for me to see. So the past does not equal the future. And even intergenerationally, if you have gone through dark times, and so has your, your mom and dad, and so have your, your grandparents, etc., there is no guarantee that it will be exactly the same with your generation now. The sheer fact that you're listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video tells me now, nah, you're actually, you have chosen to go a different path, guys. And kudos to you. Well done. That's exactly what I hope to achieve. That's exactly why Annette and I spend our quite valuable time. Because once we've gone through shit, you, you, you value your time far, far more. You don't take yourself for granted. It is, you had your accident. I had a while ago, I had a, a, a nasty Achilles tendinitis. I could walk maybe a thousand steps, 2000 steps at a push in a day. And it would have been crippling in uh, crippling as because of the pain. And that was a year and a half out of my life. And I was yeah, annoyed. It was uh, it took a lot of skills to to get through that. Uh, nowadays, I don't take walking for granted. Yeah. Sometimes I smile to myself and I walked from the car car park to to the entrance of my hospital there and I walk and I look and it feels how the, the, the foot rolls forward and I think cool and it's just so stupid but hey I walk you know it's nice to walk <laughs> and it's just different appreciation of life isn't it yes yes all the little things that we take for granted for sure <laughs> Annette, so you you are on this path of change. You are on this path, and you started creating uh, your own tribe. And so, tell us a bit about your activities and how do you help others at the moment? Yeah, I so I created that website. I created a blog. I started sharing stories on there. I have other people share their stories on there. It's just it was the first space that I knew how to create that I wanted to 
bring people in to read stories that will provide hope. You know, yes, this these days suck, but this is what happened and this is how we can move forward. And that turned into so much more because then I had people reaching out just thanking me for being vulnerable and I never really knew how to take that because... I didn't really know if it was helping anybody, but then no. you get those messages and you're, you're thinking, Oh my God, somebody, there's always somebody watching or reading. Even if you don't get those followers or those comments or likes on your posts that everybody's so worried about, there's always somebody watching in silence. They need to read what you have to say to help them. Mm. And so that's where I decided to create a podcast because I wanted to create another safe space for people mm. to use their voice without judgment. Mm. They're not necessarily ready to come on and talk um, on their social media, but they'll, they'll play with the idea of being on a podcast and getting her there mm -hmm. and so i you know i try to help people find that voice find that voice to share their story in a safe space to provide hope for other people and so that has been a crazy journey because i never imagined that it would last this long i was just like i'm gonna create a podcast no idea what i'm doing but i'm just gonna do it and it was <laughs> trial and error but it was the guests that make it possible that's it's all about you guys this is not it's not about me it's it's their courage and the the story and the, and they're finding themselves to be able to share it's it's actually it's it's i just it's speechless I, I get speechless because i i can't believe that there's so many of us out there that need to hear from other people that they're that they can make it you know so um so then I, you know, I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm, I do a bunch of million things that I feel are neglected. Sometimes there's a lot of nonprofits out there that I love to work with because of their mission. They want to provide resources to help people like mm -hmm. us. They want to help in so many ways, but they're not, you know, there, there's so many misconceptions about nonprofits and therapy and all this stuff. So that's where I come in and say, no, you need, you need to see what they're doing because they just want to help. And there are resources out there. We never had this years ago. Mm. We never had so many people wanting to help. Mm. And so, yeah, I do, uh, I do a lot of different things just because I, I really believe in it. And that's the only reason why I do it. I do it because I believe in it and I want to continue spreading the message to help end the stigma because it's still not, it's still there. And, um, for military and non-military affiliated people, there are people out there that are suffering in silence. So um, if I can help be that voice for them, then mm. I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm so pleased for you that, that it all started to make sense. And I'm so honored and, and humbled that we can connect and that we can work together to make this world just a little bit better, one interview at a time. And I, I truly share your your attitude and your 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 path there because if we can just plant that little seed of hope and let someone see that they are not alone, yeah. 
and let them see that that we have been in places where we thought is that it I might as well give up kind of thing and no I'm so pleased that I did not give up because I found the help that I needed I found the right people to surround myself with and nowadays nowadays my, my life is so rich and so beautiful and so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to miss a second and I could have not said that seven eight years ago I I was I was happy to throw it all away and that's it you know I just drink myself into a stupor or or you know even finish it quicker uh, so so suicide in installments is what I would call it nowadays how I I had self-destructive behavior there and it was it was with hindsight scary but that was then that was then right now exactly right now i'm talking to annette annette wittenberger i'm having a bloody good time i'm having a really good talk she has opened my eyes already today to maybe some things that i had forgotten etc so just by sharing by talking honestly without filter without mask to talk honest about our trauma is so refreshing because it just reminds me don't be a a dick don't be a cock you have gone through all that all that and now your your, your brain wants to do what really come on <laughs> so it is now annette we are we are we are both burned children and we have both touched the, the, the fire and now it's time to to help others to see that you can heal from that and that uh that on the contrary not just to heal and not just to somehow survive, to thrive, to be the new person, to reinvent yourself, and to start a life that you guys are enjoying, to feel that energy in your chest that wants you to get up, that wants you to kick ass, that wants you to, to, to create something new, to try something new. How beautiful is that? Annette, if people want to to get in touch with you, how can they do that? They can go to my website at awildridecalledlife.com. Beautiful. And guys, have a look down there in the description of the video and of the podcast. You're going to get the link down there. What will be your future? What are you dreaming of? What are you planning? <laughs> so many things but the the first biggest thing that i'm actually very excited about is my book will be published this summer so yes. um watch out for that that's exactly but yes you know how that is it's it's scary but exciting and it just mm. took a lot a lot of soul searching and digging deep to to get those words out there so yeah mm. that's my biggest thing <laughs> and guys behind me you see my steps to sobriety um whilst uh, it was an amazon bestseller and uh, i say was uh, it is an amazon bestseller um we are republishing it uh within the next six weeks it will be new uh re-released in, in a second version and a more updated and and more edited version um, this was raw, this was beautiful, and was part of my journey. And as you quite rightly say, it 
takes a lot of guts to to write things down and to make sense of them and you think you have you've dealt with something and then you actually write it down or express it on a show um, there's every single show i either record as a host or where i am a guest i i suddenly my mouth says something and my brain says huh that's why or that's how ah so it never stops i never stop learning and that's so bloody cool yeah. It's also quite bloody traumatic at times, and it's at times, it's, mm, you know, it never comes at a convenient time. These these insights, uh, and you think you're finished with one thing, and then it comes back and says, "By the way, nah." So I can't wait to read your book. So please flick me as soon as possible. Flick me your 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 direction, and I will be and I will be delighted to read it and review it for you. No two Thank ways around it. Because a book is there, maybe an audio book, maybe who knows. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to try to do audio book, but definitely hard copy. So that's oh, that's okay. <laughs> so guys you heard it first here here there is Annette Wittenberger there is there's no no stopping her now okay and it's the cool thing because it's a journey guys it's a path so you uh you can't say oh great I've I've achieved that that's it now well the path will continue as long as you live and you can either walk on that path with blinkers and just say yeah, it's also uh, boring, or you can take the blinkers off and look around and see, oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful bit there. Let's walk there. And then once you've reached that beautiful bit, you say, that's cool, that's beautiful. Oh, there's another cool bit there. You walk there, but you, you couldn't see it until you had come to that point. So it's the same in your life. There are so many beautiful beautiful things waiting for you guys out there you just can't see them yet and they haven't revealed themselves yet and i'm not sure if there's a god or if it's the universe or if there are many gods up there who are having a fun time playing with us i don't know but the, the reality is trust in yourself learn to love yourself and go on this path explore deal with the shit, uh, but actually enjoy it for what it is because you've only got one go at it come on it is uh you might as well make the most out of every second and you could do far worse than actually uh look at uh, annette's uh website and uh follow her and whilst you're there you might as well look at a different life story like my show review it Download all the episodes. Come on, splurge. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Who says it is Netflix all the time? Come on. A different life story. You've got, what is today? Today's 135th interview that we're doing with Annette. Okay. There is there are so many beautiful souls out there that I've had the honor to talk to. Um, and rest assured, I will not stop. There will be many, many more hundreds of, of people I will talk to because it is it's a beautiful addiction. Okay, I'm addicted to life, and my guests are the same. So, guys, I enjoy so much talking to my guests. Why not you guys out there as the listeners and viewers? Try the same. Try to find people that you enjoy talking to and who have gone through the same trauma, have gone through the same shit, and or even worse, 
and talk to that human connection. How cool would that be? Annette, if there's, uh, if in passing, what would be the key message that you would send back in a time capsule to your former yourself, to your younger late teens, early tweens? What message would you send back if you could? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a hard one. But, you know, the first thing that pops in my mind that I live through now is your mess is your message. So if I were to tell myself, you know, you're going to make it through, just don't give up, you know, because it was like you. It was so many times where I really wanted to give up. And so just just know that all the trials, all the crap that you go through, that's going to end up being your message later on in life. You're going to learn from it. You're going to pass it on to other people to provide them hope. So that's what I would tell myself. That's a beautiful thing to give hope and to say, yes, uh, you will be a different person for what you have gone through, but it's worth it. It will make sense one day. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Annette, I'm so humbled and, and it was beautiful to have you on my show. I'm very grateful for your time, effort, for your passion. And please don't stop. The, the world needs to hear from people like you. And uh, uh, let's go out there. Let's make this world a little bit better by touching one soul after another and, and planting that seed of hope. How, how beautiful is that? I will not stop. You will not stop. So maybe, who knows, maybe we start a revolution and and, and in the nicest way of actually uh, having finally a bit more peace in this world and a bit more understanding. Yes, cool. thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much. You guys out there, look after yourself. You've got one life. You might as well make the most out of it and, and deal with the crap that you don't like. Uh, maybe ditch some of the, the things in your life where you think, well, they really don't suit me anymore. And and cre recreate you. If I can transform, and if Annette can transform, why can't you? Look after yourself, guys. Bye. Dream.